Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 76. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And each week, Wilson and I share a classic movie we've seen with Charles that he hasn't seen. This week, we watch the 1986 movie Top Gun. So, Charles, tell us about it. Naval pilot Maverick and his co-pilot Goose get recruited into the Top Gun Flight Academy, which is an academy for the best pilots in the Navy, uh, and they want to make them even better. Um, so they get to the school and they kind of try to out macho the other students and they want to compete to be uh, the very best in the school. Um, but Maverick has to contend with being undisciplined and like too much of a dangerous flyer. But during uh, their training exercises, there is an accident with the plane and Maverick's co-pilot Goose ends up getting killed and he's completely devastated by this loss of his friend and co-pilot. And so he kind of loses his confidence and he wants to quit the academy but gets pulled back in um, by the the teacher, yeah. commander. Viper. Viper. Yeah, yeah, he gets pulled back in <laughs> and decides to complete training uh, and goes on a successful uh, combat mission uh, and regains all of his confidence and then he decides to return to the Top Gun Academy as a teacher. Yes, that is that is Top Gun. You went through the entire summary of the movie and did not mention Kelly McGillis. Well, you know. <laughs> the, the love interest that they spend a lot of time on, which is not a critique of your uh, summary, but a observation about the film. Um, yeah, I didn't, didn't want to drag on the summary No, again, not, not a critique of your observations, <laughs> an, ob an observation of the film itself. Um, what did you think of it? Did you like Top Gun? So, watching the movie, I don't think it's a good movie. Oh, I do think it's a good but movie. But <laughs> I still <laughs> I, loved it. I also it. think it's a good movie. Yeah, it's great. Like, it was, it was just so much fun to watch. I love how cheesy it was. That's why it's good. Yeah, it was a great experience. Actually, I want to start with that, um, because I think Crossman and I are on the same page here that this movie is, is actually great. And I think it's okay yeah. to like embrace movies that are really like dopey and broad and, you know, Top, like, Top Gun is kind of the example of this. I think Point Break falls into this category as well. And Point Break is a much better movie. Oh, I don't, I'm not sure about that. Because <laughs> I, I, was, I was definitely reminded of Point Break watching this because we watched it recently. And I was thinking, like, man, I, I, this is like Point Break, only better. And... I think it's close-ish, but I enjoyed this one more. But my point here is that I think it's okay to say that movies like this are just great. They're just good movies. You don't need to apologize for it. You can just say, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I think I've seen this movie as an adult more than any other movie. Really? Yeah. That is, I guess, what? I was going to say that's surprising. That's not surprising. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen it a lot. Okay, I have not. It's actually been a little while. You, you just boot it up every once in a while? Um, so I, I had a group of friends in LA who every Fourth of July would watch a few different movies, and this was usually Day? the like third movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, Independence Day was one of those movies. The Patriot was the other. Okay. And then Top Gun was usually our like bring the day home. Yeah. That makes film. sense. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of this movie takes place at like dusk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's that. Um, yeah. This I think this movie's really good. I think that's a good. I think that's a good pick. Um, Part of the reason I picked it is that I've been wanting to do a Tom Cruise movie for a very long time. I think that he is a great actor. I think mm -hmm. he is one of the best actors ever, period. And certainly one of the best ones working right now. And I think his performance in this movie is grossly underrated. He does not get nearly enough credit for what mm -hmm. he does here. It is way more complex than what 
people think it is, mm -hmm. I think. And that is all Cruz, just like being very good at his job. Um, so there's a bunch of reasons I picked it. That's the big one. Um, and also just that it's it's iconic, right? Like it's one of these movies that's yeah. so much a part of the the pop culture consciousness. It gets referenced so much that I already felt like I had a lot of familiarity with the movie. Yeah. Did you know that Goose dies? Yeah. You did? I mean, okay. That's hard to avoid. That's that's like not knowing that Darth Vader is Luke's father. It's, yeah, it's approaching point. that level. Yeah. <laughs> Goose is a goner. When Meg Ryan shows up, it's a bad omen for the whole <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, like, it's like in the animes where they set up their backstory right before they're going <laughs> to die. Before they kill them off. And that is literally what happens here, right? Yeah. Like Meg Ryan shows up, there's like one other beat, and then they like have dinner together, and they talk, and they have like a lovey-dovey scene with him and Meg Ryan where they're singing the Great Balls of Fire, yeah. and then he dies. And then he dies. <laughs> yeah. and then he's dead. Um, so yeah, like that. I think that one is pretty tough to avoid. Um, and this movie doesn't really have any other reveals. Like everything else, just basically plays out how you'd expect it to. I think. I'm impressed by your plot summary because I actually have found that people find the movie quite perplexing. Like, really? if Why? you were to ask people to like lay out the beats <clears throat> in it, uh -huh. I think the, what it adds up to is often confusing for the viewer. Like, some of the things that happen like even why they like um like why they're playing balls out of the air or stuff like that like well, it's they, because they explain that yeah several times i, I know it's, <laughs> no, the engine stalled i found out. this to be a common occurrence that people haven't seen really before that like they find the plotting in the movie confusing oh uh, I, I i think that's one of the strengths of the film i think that it's yeah. it's script navigates like what are really pretty rote you know it's like you have this flight challenge and then there's a character thing and then another flight challenge and a character thing. Like these mm -hmm. beats like they they make sense. Yeah. And the script I think communicates it pretty, it's pretty clearly linear, to me. Linear yeah. Plot. Yeah. They may just be so flummoxed by the relationship between Kelly McGillis and, and Tom Cruise <laughs> that like it leads you to dwell on that more than like the plot. And, okay. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, do we want to talk about that? Like what? Yeah, we got it, right? Yes, yeah, so I think we do got it. Um, how did you feel about Kelly McGillis and Tom Cruise here? Um, I mean, they had some interesting rapport, uh, some interesting exchanges, but uh, it did feel like it kind of escalated a little quickly because she was like very resistant to his advances, and then you just flip a switch and suddenly she's really into him. I don't know. That's like movie plotting, though. I so know, I but like, like I, I'm never very, movie for I'm that. not very convinced by that kind of plot device. Okay, so yeah. it works for me. Um, and I can tell you why. Like, there's a there's a relatively well known um, video essay about this by uh, Amy Nicholson, who's one of the best film critics working right now, and she's a big Tom Cruise buff. And one of the points she raises, um, and I think it is borne out watching the film, is that so much of their relationship is communicated not so much through the script, but through Cruise's acting choices. And I think that that is true. So you look at the opening moment when they meet each other, right? And they're at the bar. He's in his Navy formal, semi-formal wear, whatever the hell it is. And he gives this big giant performance where he's belting out the, I don't know who does that song, but uh, that. I'd look it up and my computer would like explode. Right, we don't want that. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. the, the song from Top Gun. <laughs> he, yeah. he the other the, song from Top Gun. The other, the, the, not the Kenny Loggins one, the other one. Um, and not, not what the a, Berlin one. Yeah, yeah not that. You got that love and feeling. 
Yeah, that, that's that the name one. of the song. Yes, yeah. that is the name of the song. And apparently, the the song that plays at the beginning is just called Top Gun Anthem. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is a funny name. That's the instrumental. At yes, the beginning. That one. Yeah, that leads into the rest uh, of the movie. Danger Zone. Yes. Well, there's like an instrumental Danger Zone, and then there's Danger Zone. Yeah, yeah. which happens later. Yeah. Yeah. So in a sense, it's yeah. the highway. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, so he's doing uh, I Got That Loving Feeling. It's this big, hammy performance with all the other guys, right? He's pitching this to Kelly Margillis. She's not buying it. He uh, sits down and tries to have a drink with her. She goes to see some other guy. He tracks her down to the bathroom. She rejects him. Like, she turns him down several times while he's doing this big, fat performance. Finds out that she's one of the teachers at school, right? And he has an opportunity to demonstrate his you know, knowledge that he's actually capable of doing something, she invites him back to her house. And that's when you see a f switch flip, not just in the relationship, but in how Tom Cruise is pre presenting the, the actor, right? Because, or pre presenting the character. Because the way mm -hmm. that he's pitching himself, and that's really what it is, is he's pitching himself in that opening scene is very performative. And it's a performance that is large and not for her, right? It's for the other guys. It's to show that look at how big and confident and boisterous that I can be. Yeah, and, once and he's he, only going after her because he made a bet that he could exactly score a woman. right in the bar on the premises, right? And after that, you see him getting much more reserved, almost shy, and quieter. He's he's much more open to listening to what she has to say, much more receptive to her speech, and much less concerned with showing off, much less concerned with how mm -hmm. much of a, a bravado he can exhibit in any given moment. And that is not necessarily in the script. I think a lot of that is communicated through the choices that Tom Cruise makes mm -hmm. as an actor. And I think that that really, th that kind of stuff really turns the relationship for me. And, and it's those kind of moments, and they're, they're ha they happen throughout the film, that persuade me that this is really kind of a, a triumphant performance for Tom Cruise. And he stakes his claim not just as this superstar, but actually an actual actor that is really interested in the deeper movement of this character. Um, what do you think of the, that relationship, Grossman? Uh Yeah, it's, so it's interesting, because you're right, it, like, it starts out with like, him being kind of a showboat, yeah. and then it's weird, because it flips and he's like, playing hard to get, almost. <laughs> like, well, it's when almost, she seems like actually interested. Yeah, that yeah. he he turns her down. Not not really turns her down, but kind of disappears. Yeah, yeah. He, he just, just leaves. He just leaves. Right. He takes a shower and he disappears. Um, and it's not until he. It feels like it's not until he can really open up and like be himself and not have to put on this Top Gun elite pilot persona for her that he's actually able to consummate the relationship. Yeah, and I think part of it also is that like he like. He sees her as like an actual expert. Yeah. Whereas when they first meet, she's just like a girl in a bar mm -hmm. and not someone to be like respected by like sort of jocular Navy guys. Right. Yeah. Right. And the and the point is yeah. the point isn't that what he's doing is for her. Right. It's not for her. It's a, it's for everybody but her, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is an important turn for him. Um, another point that the that Nicholson points out in this video that I really should link um, when we post this episode uh, is the difference in his singing performance when you compare the You Got That Loving Feeling at the beginning of the movie to uh, Great Balls of Fire towards the end of the film before or the middle point of the film before Goose gets killed. When he's doing the first performance, he's terrible. 
right? Like he can't, he can't sing. He's he's real yeah. bad. As opposed to Great Balls of Fire, where he's relatively competent, right? Like he can actually hold a tune. Like his performance is it's still like energetic and out there, but he's singing the song in a way that makes sense. And I think that that's important, right? Like where he has to hide that he's good at something else and hide that he is actually trying to show some sort of talent in something other than being a, a pilot. And he's able to show that, yes, I have other interests. I'm a complex person with other things going on. And he does that. And that, that is, again, just Tom Cruise making choices mm -hmm. as an actor. Tom Cruise is very challenging because he's a Scientology weirdo. Yeah. He's okay. the Scientology weirdo. Yes, yes, uh, yeah, sure. So it's it's challenging to watch his films because like normally every now and then you get this sense of like a person where you're like oh that person's a serial killer in their private <laughs> life and I, I guess we know this about Tom Cruise but instead of like serial killing he's into Scientology Scientology yeah uh, that's how he comes across a lot and it's strange watching him because he seems so like intent on appearing human in his <laughs> films. Well, uh, I, I feel like I've probably said this before, but my sense when I watch Tom Cruise movies is that he really, really cares about me liking his movie. Yeah. And that's great. Like, I think that's a really good thing. He does take his films seriously, which yeah. is good on I don't think actor. I've ever seen him phone in a performance. No. That, and that is to his very strong credit. I heard yeah. The Mummy was not great. Yeah, I skipped uh, that one. I don't yeah, know if he was bad in yeah. it, though. I, I but I, I saw, like, two sci-fi films that he did <clears throat> recently, Edge of Tomorrow. Which was phenomenal. Which, he like saved essentially because it was like a, a directed DVD. Yeah. Sci-fi. Well, movie. him and Emily but, Blunt. I, I think that's yeah. just a great movie. Well, and and uh, who else is in that? I one? don't know if that movie needed saving, I but agree. it helps like, to have Tom Cruise. I think that movie's just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that one. <laughs> really? Oh, I'm surprised to see. No, like I, I, I I like that film a lot, but I okay. I'm not like I don't want to overstate the quality of that film. I <laughs> okay. think it's surprisingly good. It seems like something yeah. that'd be right up your alley. Yeah, it's okay. it's good. Um, <laughs> Um, and then there was another one that he did right Oblivion. after that, Oblivion. I think that came right before, but I don't remember. Yeah, sure. they, it was. they were definitely it's paired together. And yeah. it, again, he like kind of did a really good job with a film that like that one needed saving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one needed Tom Cruise. And so it's 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 challenging because he's again like Scientology does really bad things yes, to it's, people. It's awful in his name. Yeah. And, and he uh, he promotes it and finances it and et cetera et cetera. Yeah. Although and then on on yet a third hand, you have all these stories about Tom Cruise on set, and he's supposed to be this great guy, right? Like everybody that works with huh. him thinks he's phenomenal, and like he yeah. he's like goes out of his way to be like super generous and inviting to people, and he it, 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 like there's this story when he was doing, um, and I'm going to butcher this, so I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but there's this story about where when he was recording a, a few good men. One of the other actors on there observed a pen that Tom Cruise had, and it was like this fancy pen, right? And the guy like complimented it on his pen, and Tom Cruise was like, "Oh yeah, like, I, I really, this is like a collector's item. It's you have to go was to it a, was it an astronaut pen? It, no, it's like fancier than that. Like you have to go to a special pen store, and it's only in New York, and they're in L.A. Okay. And so Tom, this is like the first time he's meeting. They're meeting each other. So the next time they meet, right? Like it must have been after filming. Tom Cruise shows up, and he's like, "Oh, I have a gift for you." And he hands him this pen, and this pen is like a freaking four hundred dollar pen. He met this guy once before, <laughs> and he like Damn. remembered that and bought it for That's him, boss. and yeah, and delivered it personally. I've heard that story too. Yeah. I also heard a story where he, uh, like Jimmy Kimmel, every Sunday like invites his buddies over for okay. football. Sure. 
and uh, you know they, all the TVs, and so they invite Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise brings his mother to <laughs> to the event, sure. to Sunday football, <laughs> and he brings cupcakes. And everyone found that like super perplexing. <laughs> They're right to find that perplexing. Yeah, <laughs> but it's also very nice. Yeah, it's, right? it's incredibly nice. And, yeah, that's just it. And, yeah, to have the like, security to like bring your mother to Jimmy's house. Well, when you're Tom Cruise, I suppose it's easy to have that kind of security. Yeah, but yeah. you see many. Except for about his height. Yeah, yeah. Although I wonder how much that's him and how much that is. The, Studio. the studios and the directors and things. I don't That's know. That's true. Um, the volleyball scene, the net is clearly set very low. <laughs> yes. If, if you, when, he, he I probably, wasn't paying attention. When they that. pull back, the net is set very low. <laughs> he probably can't actually jump up that high to clear it. I don't know how high a volleyball net normally is. It's it's tall. I, yeah. I can reach the top, but okay. And I'm tall, but yeah. Right. Not, not many people can. Like, I doubt Tom Cruise can. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I probably can't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there is that. Um, so I, when I hear these kind of stories, and I see the kind of like really generous, thoughtful performances that he puts into every single movie, and he doesn't need to do that. He is at a point in his career where he can decide not to do that, and nobody would blame him. I am willing to forgive a lot for Tom <laughs> Cruise. Um, you can still just appreciate okay. his on-screen work, right? I mean, yeah, there's always the separating the artist yeah. from the art. Yeah, although I feel like that argument has really taken a hit the last year or so. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. The Scientology documentary is very troubling. Yeah, me. yeah. Uh, I mean, of, of course it is. I forget which, what it's called, but the HBO one. Waking, was, is it Waking Up? Opening Up? Something like that. I don't know what you're talking I forget about. the name of it. But yeah. it was, like, hard to watch. It was like a horror movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so... Maybe forgive isn't the right word, but I mean Tom Cruise is a con a complex figure. Overlook, maybe. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't know. But I like him in this movie. I like him in general. Um, I think yeah. that he is really and truly one of the best we have right now, uh, just in terms of sheer talent. Uh, do we have a favorite Tom Cruise movie? Hmm. I think this is it for yeah? me. I th this is this is an eminently watchable film. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Which ones have I seen? I've seen a lot of them, especially if you go past like '95 or something like that. Yeah, well, he still made a ton of movies. Like, he, like all of the um, Mission Impossible movies. Like yeah. The first one was like '98 or '99, I think. And yeah, like he, that he's able to carry that franchise. Like, there are so many actors that would, like have that franchise, and like that would be what they do, and that's their career, and that's that, and that's fine. But he does that, and in, and in addition to that, numerous other. <laughs> Yeah, movies yeah every he year. still does them too, and he like does all of his own stunts. Does all of his own stunts. He's basically yeah. a stuntman at this point. He's just the world's <laughs> most famous stuntman. Basically, yeah. Yeah, like he is, has the training. He, I think that he even had, can get the insurance now. For a while, he couldn't. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, he did like a a ropeless free free climb. I think in Mission Impossible Two. Yeah. And uh, oh, and he's climbing up Monument Valley or whatever. Yeah, and he like actually did that. Yeah, well, it, yeah. and there was it might have been that stunt, but there was one of those in the Mission Impossible movies where. The insurance company, this might be a myth, I don't know, but it's a thing I heard. The insurance company said, no, you cannot do that, Tom Cruise. We're not going to cover that. Like, you are too valuable. This is why we have Stuntman. And he's just like, fuck it, and did it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, with no insurance coverage. I'm like, uh, the studio, I'm sure, was not happy. Um, but, yeah, like, that happened. And yeah, and he's, like, climbing up the Burj Dubai and, like, hanging off airplane. Yeah, he did that. Yeah, like, yeah. that one, um, I guess I have a lot of Tom Cruise stories. That one, 
the director said, like, you know, Tom, you can do, we can just shoot this like 20 or 30 feet off the ground, and then like we can cut the film such that it looks like you're on top of the building. And he says, well, if I fall from 20 or 30 feet up, I'm probably dead, so we might as well do it on the top. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> and he was up there. <laughs> and like that kind of stuff is just extraordinary. Like, he's a he's an impressive man. Um, and then he can still make art films like. Eyes Wide Shut, and he can still do like brave, weird Vanilla performances. Sky, Vanilla Sky, which I liked. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty good movie. Yeah, um, those I haven't seen. I'll admit. Okay, yeah, it's a, like probably not a surprise. Those are very. <laughs> yes. Both of those are very polarizing films. Yeah, I like both of them. Yeah, um, I think that Eyes Wide Shut has gotten some more attention recently. Like, I think I, it's held up a lot better. Yeah, yeah. well, I think it, it was misunderstood when it came out because it was. Wait, is, that the, is that the Kubrick one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's my favorite Cooper. Movie. I I watched oh. it in the last yeah. year just on Wilson talking about it, and it's it's very good. Yeah, it really is, and I think that it it probably plays better now than it did when it came out in '99 or 2000 or whatever it was, because when it was it was advertised as like this hypersexual movie, like I think the tagline was like "sexiest movie ever made" or something like that. <laughs> not true. It's not like yeah. that's not what the movie is about. The movie is about yeah. money and class, and it's it is almost anti-sexual <laughs> in a lot of ways. And so people sat down and watched it and were expecting the smoke show, and they got like Tom Cruise being a creep for two hours, and weren't into that and <laughs> responded negatively. Um, but I think you watch it now without those expectations, and it plays more the way it was designed to play, and is a better movie in that yeah, respect. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but I like that yeah. movie a lot. I want to bring it back to yeah, sorry, I've, Top Gun. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Too far, but um, this movie does a very good job of. Highlighting the like impotence of the Cold War. Yes. <laughs> Where, uh, so the first like battle that we see, and I'm doing like air quotes. Air quotes thing, yes. Uh, the airplanes just kind of lock onto each other, but don't fire because they would cause World War Three. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the whole film seems to be like about that. Like you don't see any guns fired until the very very end. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's kind of hilarious because this is seen as like a like a macho war movie, and it's really not. It really kind of underlines quite well why the Cold War is stupid. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it makes. Well, I think the grand metaphor, like on that political level, yeah, is that. So if you, if you look at this movie about a man, it's about a man struggling with his masculinity, and I think that is really what's going on here. Is that not not just his. Not the, so we, we watched the Tarantino scene from uh, Sleep With Me before this, where Tarantino has his big theory about how this is really a gay movie. And like, the volleyball scene is hard to not read as a gay scene. But outside of that, I really do think that it's a movie about uh, a guy struggling with how he operates in the world as a man. And that's why you see him hiding himself with the Kelly Margillis character, why he has to have these weird line readings with, uh, with Iceman and things like that. Great metaphor for the Cold War, right? Yeah, yeah. Just oh, like Macho shows a bravado. And when, yes. When his best friend dies, too, the the next scene is Viper say saying, Man "Move on." on. Yeah, like, like that's don't, it. Yeah, don't think about it. Yeah, yeah. And he clearly doesn't have any tools to cope with his grief. He has no nobody around him it, to go to to cope with his. They're grief. They're so bad at it too. Like Iceman yeah. shows up and tries to console him, and he just like. Uh, he was a, sorry. He was, everybody liked him. We all liked him. Yeah. And he walks away. And that was it. Yeah. 
and like so he, he gets nothing of substance from anybody around him that's supposed to be you know this brotherhood right and his friend died when they were like play acting war yes yeah yeah <laughs> which is <laughs> which is like the stupidest but like lately one of the most plausible ways of dying in the military like yeah exactly yeah. and and what is the cold war but a big giant play acting at war right like that it's yeah. a, you're building a bunch of weapons you're never going to use you're training a bunch of a bunch of soldiers that are never going to hit the field you're yeah. making a bunch of threats that you're never going to follow through on and right i'm it's, not the first person to observe this but like we currently have the F-35, which, like, can't fly when it's raining, or <laughs> the Osprey. We've dumped a fucking billion dollars into that. Billions yeah. and billions. billions. Yeah, the Osprey, billions. which is, like, killed more airmen than, like, Al-Qaeda has. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And same kind of thing here. Um, right, so have you seen uh, Pentagon Games, I think it's called? No, what is that? Charles, no. no uh, I don't think I've heard of that. It's, it's a dark comedy, which is true, um, and it's based upon... The, uh, the the warthog, which is like a armored the, personnel the character time. that was developed by the Pentagon, and it's kind of the story of that and why why it's like. So it's a documentary. No, it's okay. it's play acted by um, Harry. Uh, what's his name from The Simpsons? Um, Potter and a few other people. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's it's a comedy, but it's like based on a real thing that happened, where the Pentagon was like, "We need a new armored personnel character," so they designed one, and they were like, "But we kind of want it to be a tank," so they like <laughs> they like turn it into okay. a tank, and it like through it just like gets worse and worse over time. There's an episode of The Simpsons where this happens, right? Where <laughs> Homer designs a car, and it just keeps getting worse and worse as he overdesigns it. Yeah, yeah, the, but the, this is like the true the true version of version that. Of that. Yeah. Um, and it's. Really depressing, and reminiscent of this movie too, because it's okay. just like here's just like all this money just being thrown onto a fire for no reason, over and, and over again. Yeah, yeah. Cause, I mean, they uh, even raise it in the film that point, right? Like that these planes talk so much, it costs so much money. This is the taxpayer. Yeah, they're more concerned about the planes than they are the the pilots. The pilots, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. likely because the pilot, there, there's no war, right? Which like, is hilarious because we could buy like a hundred. F-16s for what we pay for one F-35 right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, they're stealth, man. <laughs> yeah. And we're just now fly. having, like, peace talks with the Koreans, which is, like, another, like, Cold War thing. So, yes, that's true. Um, and more posturing, right? Like, another example of just nothing of substance. It's just all about appearance. It's all about the, the texture of the thing and nothing to do with the actual content. Yeah, that really struck me this time. I was like, damn, this is, like depressing <laughs> and this was like this was like a big recruiting tool oh yeah in the 80s like mm -hmm. a lot of people wanted to be pilots well, and actually signed up it was it wasn't just like people yeah. putting posters on their walls they literally I, joined the military because of this movie a friend of mine is a, i might be misremembering this but a friend of mine who's a marine like has told me that he's seen the like scene in the bar where they all sing you yeah. got that loving feeling to a woman happen in real life <laughs> multiple times yeah oh, as a marine that's a, they, yeah. they did not understand the movie right it doesn't work like that's yeah. the whole point is that until he actually reveals something real about who he actually is, it doesn't work. 
Yeah, right? Nobody like, reads media that way, right? Yeah, right they but they the, see like, oh, these these hunky dudes <clears throat> are doing this cool thing, and the girl's gonna like it because they're hot dudes. Right. But then if you watch like literally what happens immediately after that. Yeah, but this is like <laughs> people watching Predator and being like, oh, yeah. this sexual Tyrannosaurus guy is so manly. I want to be like him. I was reminded of Predator watching this movie. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's a lot of parallels. Parallels, yeah. Yeah, because I think sure. that they're they're both misunderstood movies. They're both about how like dumb masculinity is. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think this one plays it. I mean, obviously, it's not using an alien invasion metaphor, so like it feels different. Um, but there are also movies misunderstood by masculine men um, when they're saying the opposite of how they're being understood. Uh, and again, I, I hesitate to criticize the film for that. I think that that's. Just to a point on the audience to just kind of get it, figure this shit out, guys. It's, it's right there on the screen. Yeah, but people just want to read their masculinity as like a positive. Yes, right? they do, that's just and how it goes. I, I agree. But that's that is going to happen, and that's not a problem with the movie. That's, yeah, that, yeah, that's not the yeah. movie making a mistake. That's just um, how people are, and that's a problem with people. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that there are movies where you can appropriately criticize them on that ground. I think that Fight Club falls into that category, mm -hmm. but this movie doesn't. Um, and Predator doesn't. I think that those movies are clear enough that you should be able to figure it out if you care at all to think about the film. Which lots of folks don't, yeah. evidently. Uh, what do we think of the, so there's a bunch of sporting characters here. Um, a lot. A lot. And, and Val Kilmer is fantastic. I like Val Kilmer a lot. Um, so First scene, actually drinking ice water. Yes, yeah. which is fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> He's Ice Man, so he has ice water. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so good. But yeah, I like Val Kilmer a lot in this movie. Um, I think that he plays like this. It's nice that he has that other guy, his radio guy, that is like the real jackass. Yeah. Where at, so that Val Kilmer seems a little better in contrast, because I, I don't think he plays as just a straight villain in this movie. Um, he's an antagonist, but not like the other guy who's just a raging asshole the whole time. Right, he's, he's yeah. more of your classmate rival than the actual yes, bully. Yes, I think that's a good way to, to think about it. Um, and I like him a lot here. I think that yeah. his, it, it's like reserved in a way that is appropriate for the character and like contrasts with Maverick and, it, it, right. and it's but they, obvious. They but have it, a great chemistry on screen whenever they have to butt heads. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because you see the contrast between the two of them and they both draw it out so well. Uh, Tom Skerritt. Great as the father, father figure. Yes. Here. Yeah. Um, yes, he is, and he, and he needs it because we well, we haven't talked about that is how the Maverick character is has daddy daddy issues. Yeah, he lost his, <laughs> lost his dad in Vietnam. What we assume is Vietnam. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they ever say which conflict. Well, we, I think we they do say that the Viper character flew in Vietnam, and he flew with Maverick's dad. So therefore, so it's a pretty safe guess that yeah, it, it was Vietnam. Yeah, it was Vietnam. But it's the right era for like. If your dad was missing, Vietnam might be the reason. Right, yeah, right. especially if he was from the mid eighties. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Tom, I like Tom Scarrett a lot here. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's got a lot of baggy clothing. Very baggy clothing. <laughs> it's nineteen eighty six. Everybody except Tom Cruise had baby, baggy clothing. His like casual shirt is like a a three quarter length. <laughs> sleeve, but not baseball style, like like parachute style. <laughs> parachute yeah, style. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. for a movie that is so strongly associated with the '80s, there's not. It doesn't scream '80s all the time like some things do. Well, the music does. The music does, but it's still like good '80s music, right? Like I got that loving feeling. It's a good song. Like Danger computer zone. screens. Yeah, there's yeah. a couple of scenes with that, 
But, but otherwise, you're right. It's like it's not particularly eighties. Eighties, yeah. right? Like it, it I even, just feel like the music feels so prominent that it makes the whole thing feel much more eighties. Yeah, well, does I mean, the music take your breath away, Charles? <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but even that, like, that's a good song. Like, "Take My Breath Away" is a solid, like, yeah. pop ballad. Like, that song works. Yeah. Um, Danger Zone, fun, goofy song, right? Like, people yeah, are into it. It's awesome. It's it is awesome. Pierce, exactly. Twice in this movie, at least. Less than I thought it would. I th uh, we, uh, Danger yeah. Zone is associated. There are more than one song in this movie. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so strongly associated with this song, with this movie that I anticipated it just being yeah. like playing the entire time. <laughs> um, Michael Ironside yeah. you, is uh, great. He plays a, I guess the instructor. The other instructor. Yeah. The one that's not. Well, Scarrett's like the leader. Yeah. Lead instructor and Ironside is like another one. That's Joker, right? He's Joker? Jester. 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 That was it. Yeah. That's close. Um, but yeah, he, and, and it, I think it's a lot of these nice little character actors that they find. Yeah, he kind of does this thing, right? Like he does the same thing in Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. He's much more prominent in Starship Troopers. Yeah, but it's like the same. Great it's that. like the same character. Yeah, it's not a problem. He's a it's a great character. Yeah, it's it's what they cast him for. Good at chomping on cigars. And, yeah. and saying gruff things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, the I can't remember the actor's name, but he was in ER later on that played Goose, yes. and I think he does a really Tony good job. Something. Yep. Tony I looked something. him up. Yeah. He was in Zodiac too. Yes, he was. Um, he must have been one of the cops, I think. He, yeah, I think he was one of the fellow, one of the detectives or something. Like right, that. but I mean, his most well-known role is in ER. He's like the, mm -hmm. the doctor in ER. And his um, goose. And his goose. Yeah, and yeah. here. Um, I like him a lot here. Like, I think he's genuinely funny most of the time. Well, he contrasts well with uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Who, right. He's like always a jokester, and Tom's, Tom Cruise is kind of a jokester sometimes, but he's like very serious through a lot of this film too. So like. That contrast is important. Yeah, he's got that nice, like, dorkiness, and, like, yeah. you know, he's that kind of family man to offset Tom Cruise. <laughs> well, I, yeah, and I think that there's a sincerity to Goose that yeah. Tom Cruise lacks, and that he doesn't realize that he lacks until Goose is gone. Yeah. And yeah. I think that the character provides that outlet to him such that Goose acts as a backstop for the Maverick character so that he can act out and that he can be the immature one, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And. Goose can correct for that and temper it a little bit. And only after Goose is gone does Maverick realize that, hey, he's got to grow up and he has to figure out how to do that shit on his own. Um, and I think that that's an, that the, the actor recognizes that role uh, in an important way and in a way that prevents the character from just being a joker. Right? Yeah. He's not only that, but he's also the mature character yeah. in kind of an unexpected fashion. He's yeah, he, married, has a kid. So like, right. Yeah, he has yeah. those nice moments where he stops and, like, reminds Maverick of the stakes. He's like, I got a family I have to support. We have to do well at this yep. academy uh, or else I can't support my family. And then like, you know, Maverick is reminded that his actions have real consequences. Right, and then he's ultimately really reminded of that when, yeah. when Goose dies. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think that that is an important role for the character. And I think that the, it might get remembered as just like the jokey friend, but there's more going on there. And there's a, there's a complexity to the characters in this film that uh, it doesn't get credit for. Um, everybody in this film is very sweaty. <laughs> yes, well, they're in somewhere in California, yeah, San Diego. The first, uh, yeah. like, 15 minutes of the movie, everybody is just, like, looks like they're getting off an NBA court. <laughs> yeah. like, well, I remember, like, especially towards the end yeah. of the film, when they're back on the Indian Ocean, yeah. and Tom Cruise is getting strapped into the, the uh, airplane one last time, and he's drenched. You can see, like, 
yeah. beads of sweat all over him. Looks like he just took a shower, which he very well may have. And <laughs> like, I'm like, already? Like, is, he doesn't look like he can hold on to the joystick. If you pay close attention, the first like 15 to 30 people that you see are very sweaty in this film. <laughs> There's no non-sweaty person. That's, yeah. I mean, and that's a, definitely a conscious choice, right? Like Tony Scott, like, did that. Intentionally, that's interesting. Yeah. Unless that's just his, the only way he knows how to communicate heat, which I guess is plausible. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's meant to show the like intensity of like what they're doing. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is hilarious because it's such a silly thing that they're doing, which is just like putzing around the Indian Ocean and like <laughs> not shooting fake fighting Russians. with the Russians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, although then, like, speaking of the, the fake fighting, they eventually real fight at the at the end. They do. That would start World War Three. That would be the World War Three. Yes. Right. Like. Yeah, yeah. I, I was over hostilities in I was broad daylight. About that. Yeah. Like, there's no way nobody else noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> the Russians do fire first. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fine. But whoever <laughs> fires first, that's absolutely they're going to start the, the nukes flying as soon as, as soon as that happens. Yeah. And, I, I guess I just have don't there have been like scattered incidents with like fighter jets in the Cold War, like it happens, like sometimes a, a jet will like fly over the wrong line and something will happen, right? Do they get shot down though? I don't know. I don't know, I, I'm not a historian. Like there was the time recently when, was it like a Russian jet getting shot down over Turkey or something? And yeah. we thought yeah. something serious was about to go down and then nothing happened? Yeah, so I mean, I don't know, maybe there was some uh, feats of diplomacy that, that cured yeah, that. maybe. But it certainly feels like, like if there's a giant dogfight over the Indian Ocean, yeah. Where someone fires first unprovoked, <laughs> like that—that's going to. I think it underlined just how silly the Cold War was, yeah. though, because they were like, "Well, we can't do it in real life, but this is what we want to do." Yeah, so. this will stick it to those Russians. Yeah, right. I mean, and you see that play out again, like in the, the opening sequence where Tom Cruise is flying upside down and they flip off the Russians, and like that <laughs> shows them. Right? Yeah, like, got him. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Way to go, Tom. There's, there's also uh, no Migs, Migs in this movie. Right, no. I thought that was funny. The, yeah, the other the MiG twenty eight is a plane that does not exist. They okay. use an American light fighter. That was my suspicion, but yeah. I don't know enough yeah. about airplanes to to have a real opinion there. Um, uh, the movie that is like very competently directed by Tony Scott. Tony Scott yeah. I mean, the Scott brothers are competent. Very competent. Wait, is he, makers, he's related so. to Ridley Scott? They're brothers. They're brothers. Oh, okay, yeah. I didn't know Ridley Scott had a brother. Do you all need yeah. Tony? Well, Tony has passed away since yeah, he then. Died okay, but a couple um, years ago. Yeah, okay. this is. I think it, this is probably his best movie. But I like True Romance a lot. That might be my other. Which one? True Romance. Like, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that one? Yes, it's that, good. That's the one Tarantino wrote. Yes. That Tony Scott okay. directed, um, and it's another one with just like a, a rogues gallery of great actors from that era. That's a Bonnie and Clyde film, right? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, insofar as it's about like a couple, a young couple that like go on a. Something like a, something like a crime spree, yeah. um, and then get their comeuppance. But yeah, true true romance is really good. It's also about the OJ. Uh, is it? Kind of. Oh, okay. It's, well, <laughs> I should check the timeline on that. But it, like there's the an OJ like chase in. Okay, you might be right about that. I mostly remember the the Christopher Walken scenes, yeah, which are great, and that James Gandolfini like shows up and it's like, oh, it's James Gandolfini. <laughs> um, what it, what I noticed though through this watch through is that the. Um, the tracking of the action scenes is done very well. Yes. I was very uh, impressed by all the, the fighter scenes. Like, you would see them, like, turn the joystick in the cockpit, and then you'd see a scene of the plane, like, moving in that direction, and it all, like, tracked, and you were able to follow, like... I've, yeah. yeah. I have no idea how they shot that. 
They must have shot for hours. Must yeah, have taken I was going to say, so how do you get a shot of these fighter planes like flying around? I mean, they're probably going another much plane. lower. You just have another, yeah, you have another Yeah, plane. but I figure like the fighter jets, they go really <laughs> fast, so it's hard to have like a I, camera plane that's not a fighter jet keeping no, up No, I, I think them. they do have to slow them down. So right, what, what we're actually seeing is like them going like very slow. Yeah. Right, and it's like yeah. funny how close the planes get together because I'm pretty sure in real life the planes are very rarely an actual visual distance. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, you just lock onto them with your missiles from miles away and you shoot your missiles, right? Yeah. I, I have no, I don't fly planes. That I, I wanted know. to look up because I would be really interested to understand how missile locking worked in yeah. the mid-80s. I'm not yeah. completely sure. I, at least in the yeah. modern era, I'm pretty sure you don't get that close to the enemy anymore. Okay. That would make no, sense. I mean, we don't have, like, dogfights like this anymore. Cause yeah. It's all drones. <laughs> Drone fights. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's very competently shot action it's, wise. Yeah. It's amazing how well you can pick out where these planes are in relation to one another. Yes. In midair. Yeah. Right? Like there's no geography there to orient right. the audience. Orient just, them, the no, they do, they do yeah. show the ground uh, Some, you're right. Okay. I think that's important actually because it yeah, does actually fair. like literally ground the action. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, but there are yeah. plenty of sequences where it's just open sky and yeah. you can still see what's going on. Um, right, and they do and some cool maneuvers, and you can follow what they're doing. Yeah, and for the it, most part, it, it, I think the other thing that makes them work so well is that there is this sense of narrative to them. We talked about this when we talked about the raid, and I think it applies here as well. Yeah, right, like that you can see like why they're making the moves that they're move, doing, and like what they're trying to accomplish with each one of them, and how the move connects to the goal, and what can go wrong yeah, in the proposed the execution of it. Like it's really, it would be. There are a lot of worse directors that would cut that kind of stuff out and just have like planes flying around and firing at each other and the, trying to lock on. Yeah. One thing that yeah. they do that I think is important, although it looks <coughs> silly, is they have the mask, the actors take their masks off. I noticed And you too. actually see which actor is talking, which would be impossible to track if they have their masks on. I was reminded of Tom Hardy and Dunkirk and yeah. like how challenging that performance must have been for Tom Hardy. And address acting with his eyes because he's just, acting with, he's just acting with like the top half of his face, which is yeah, just his eyes. And there's a little bit of that in this movie, but mostly they just pop him off. Yeah, yeah. which you would never do no, as a pilot. You, like you pass out. And yeah, you, exactly. Yeah, you just fixate. Like. Go, go down. <laughs> yeah. um, but well, it's they, a, they have their like helmets that are pretty distinctive. I don't, I don't know if people remember them. Yeah, I don't think the point of removing the mask is to identify who the actor is. Because you can tell, like, the, the helmets do that. Okay, they, yeah. You can tell what their so face looks like. I think like. it allows you to track in the scene where you are. Yeah, it does like, that, but yeah. it, it allows them to just act. Right? Yeah. Like, just like yeah. having your yeah. face exposed makes acting a lot easier, and it's really hard yeah. to render a performance when you only have half your, half your face. And there are so many character moments during the action scenes. Like, so much of the character development happens as these dogfights are happening. Yeah. And if you have to communicate that stuff with a giant mask over half your face, the movie suffers. I think that yeah, that's he, true. he made it's a, 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 it's a good practical choice. Right, just the right choice for the actors. The other, like, very competent choice that was made was in the pinnacle action scene over the Indian Ocean, the two things that Maverick like really learned in training was one, don't leave your yep. your wingman. Your wingman. And two, what happens when you get stuck in another jet yes. stream. Yes. And you crash. <laughs> and the both of those things turn out to happen in the action scene. And exactly. he learned he learned how to like get through those things. Right. And it's a and, really obvious metaphor, but yeah. so what? Right? Like yeah. that's, that's still just good 
clear beats for the character. And you see a very clear arc that he starts in place A and he ends in place B. And the way that he gets there makes sense. And that's that's drama, right? Like that's that's narrative. And it's it's well done here. It's just a good script writing. Yeah. Yeah. Another point about the dogfights, I really love, I guess I'll describe it as a shoulder cam mm-hmm. for the Jets where they have the camera like right above like the right side of the fuselage above where the wing yeah. is. Uh, I know that the, some of the new Star Wars films have referenced that exact camera angle where they have that, like the angle from uh, just like the camera virtually attached to an X-wing, right? Mm-hmm. And people cited it's a reference to this scene and I, it's just really cool. It looks great. Well, I think that what that, I think you can go further back than that, right? Because yeah. I, when I think of aerial film, and especially airplanes and film, you go, it's Howard Hughes, right? Like, that's who really did it first. Yeah, Wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, and Hell's Angels and those kind of movies, like, where he would strap airplanes, or would strap cameras onto airplanes, yeah. and just shoot for hours and hours and hours, just having planes flying around. And eventually, like, he would attempt stunts personally and severely injure himself and almost kill himself. <laughs> And I think that's that's where you go back to, and I'm sure that Tony Scott was aware of that, and I'm sure that he had, had seen those those Hughes movies, mm-hmm. um, and probably also knew to not attempt to fly the plane himself. Yeah. <laughs> the, the geography of the film is kind of hilarious, because they're supposed to be in Miramar, mm-hmm. but they're also in San Diego, and those two places are not close to each other by drive. I believe uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're I didn't very know that, far. Because <laughs> I looked up Miramar, and it's they, they call it a neighborhood of San Diego, so I didn't see how far away it was. Really? I remember looking this up a while ago and thinking, okay. like, they're, they're, like, very far from each other. It's totally plausible that there's two yeah. places called Miramar. Yeah. yeah uh, it's, it's a big state in California for now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I have no idea what the California geography was, looks like. He just rides his motorcycle thing. really fast. He does. He does yes. do that. Yeah, yeah um, I, I really like, in terms of just, like, very 80s moments in this movie, I, I know we talked about there not being that many, but the motorcycle on the highway with the 80s synth music playing as the sun is setting in his leather jacket with his aviator glasses on, it's like the most 80s thing that ever freaking happened, <laughs> and I kind of love it. Like, I think it looks, that's a really cool that's shot. Great, yeah. Um, this movie's getting a sequel. Uh, that's unfortunate. 32 years later. And not yeah. necessary. Yep, yeah, it's called Top Guns, with an S. Um, and Tom Cruise is in it. So um, Val Kilmer's coming back, I, too. I went to the theaters yesterday, and I saw seven trailers, all of which were pre-existing content mm. either sequel or remake yeah that is a bummer what'd you see oh i'll talk about it after oh okay okay great break yeah. um but yeah they are making a sequel for this one uh val kilmer is on board tom cruise is on board they were apparently trying to talk francis ford coppola into directing it <laughs> which is fucking wild he's making wine so. <laughs> right i think you turned him <laughs> down but man i would watch that movie <laughs> uh so yeah i guess it's happening they have a ironside still a, a kick in yeah so it's kelly mcgillis yep scarrick I, I have no idea if he's around or not tim tim oh, robbins but, is um yeah yeah and uh, the guy that played goose is also still alive and he suggested uh some sort of goose ghost showing up <laughs> in the movie a <laughs> goose <laughs> yes they do um <laughs> Not to like to get too far off topic. There are a lot of token black guys in this movie yes. that don't get equal billing here. Definitely. They uh, they they have the like credits at the end where they like show the a cut of the actor, 
all the white actors and they <laughs> skip over all the black actors. They have like no lines. None of them were main characters. Yeah, really. but they have, like, they have like they have like non-main characters. Like yeah, I know in the thing. And I was like, oh, this is again the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Um, so hopefully, in Top Guns, they can correct for that and <laughs> have <laughs> some some black uh, some black pilots. Um, and I I don't know if they'll correct for uh, does Top Gun school still exist. I don't know. I know oh, it's like probably it it is based on a real thing. No, they're just like using drones to like fire off child-seeking missiles or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like Top Gun too. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they made a movie about that a couple of years ago where um, the guy from Breaking Bad, not Brian Cranston, the uh, young one. Aaron. Uh, yeah, Paul? that guy. Yeah, Aaron Paul. Um, it's a drone pilot, and it's like. This, this kind of like encapsulated moment movie where they're trying to decide whether or not they're gonna yeah do their job there's like a little girl in the yeah, I think it's called yeah I yeah. think it's called Eagle Eye it was actually not terrible but it was also kind of a, isn't it if you, don't you feel the bad Eagle for Eye this? was a Shia LaBeouf movie yeah you're right yeah. it was not called Eagle Eye it's something like Eagle Eye though yes it's something it, I yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think Alan Rickman, uh, Rickman was in it and I, Helen Mirren too. and Helen Mirren yes you know what I'm talking about I do I watched the first half on a plane I think okay I think I actually <laughs> and I was like. This seems good, but I gotta get off this plane. Yeah, so. I saw no, I saw it in theaters, and um, I remember liking it, but also it was kind of a "Don't you feel bad for this drone pilot?" kind of movie. And I was like, "Not really, he's not a drone really. pilot." Yeah, <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's what Top Guns will be, only with better a better soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, any closing thoughts for? Yeah, th I think we covered the bulk of it. I, I like yeah. this movie. It is so watchable. It's got so many great moments, like when yeah. they're playing beach volleyball and they got their like wingman high five. That's the best. <laughs> yes, like there's yeah, there's or, or like Iceman, yeah, yes. yes. or Iceman doing the doing the little like oh, you're dangerous, and he does a little chomp like oh <laughs> like my god, shark. that's incredible. Or the, the dumb need for speed line. Yeah, is that, that where, like, is this where the phrase comes? I from? I doubt it, but like like um. Just like that, Tom Cruise like buys into that line so hard. It's like it, it's so good. Um, so yeah, this movie is just easy to watch. It's just one of those movies that's that you can just kind of put on and have a good time with. Also, I think I think the F-14s just look really cool. I, they do I love how those planes look. Yeah. And they're shot to look really cool. And like that's how the yeah. movie opens, right? It's just like a bunch of shots of like cool looking planes yeah. getting ready to take off. That's <laughs> something I'm also super impressed by is like all the lengths they go to to make the aircraft carrier work. Because sure. they have to like raise the thing to increase the power of the thrust, and they have to give them a catapult. They gotta uh, catch them on a line. Just when a they, they have the little off. Yeah, they have the to, little hook. They have to catch the plane on yeah. a cable so they can stop in time. Um, it, it's a it's a miracle. Yeah, and again, all clearly communicated to the audience. Nice nice job, Mr. The credits yeah. thank many stunt pilots. I so they're like, yeah, no shit. I thought it was like funny actually they went out and did shoot all this stuff. I thought yeah. it was funny that all the actual Navy pilots' call signs were all like super lame compared to the ones <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. yeah. I forget yeah. what they were, but they were not nearly as cool. Well, the good ones get taken right away, I'm sure. Yeah, it'd be like yeah. Scott. Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, well, I guess. Thanks, guys. We, we don't need to get like too deep into it because we want to close out here, but like the... This seems like a very early example of the increasing militarism of movies. So now we have like Transformers, where like there's like a Transformer fighting made with by Marines. the DoD. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is probably one of the first examples of that, where it's like 
partially a military recruiting tool. Yeah, well, at least it functioned that way. I don't know how Scott thought about it. I think we can make safe guesses about how Tom Cruise thought about it based on what he did in the movie and what he did after the movie. I mean, they definitely could not have made the movie without the support of the military. Obviously, they can't go buy a bunch of these planes. (laughs) I think the budget of the movie was less than one F-14. Yeah, probably. But now it's like really common for films to be get funding from the military mm-hmm. and to show like military vehicles and military people in them. Uh, Transformers again is like a yeah. good example of that because they it, it's just like a it looks exactly like a commercial for the armed forces. Yeah well and now yeah. the, the, the US military just advertises that. They say like we collaborate with movie studios to make sure that the US military is portrayed correctly. Yeah. And stuff like that. The Battleship movie again. I'm sure. Yeah, it's called Battleship. <laughs> yeah. I think that they just don't want another Rambo though, right? Where like they don't want something to critique the mil- our militarism of American culture. Yeah, yeah they don't want yeah. the seventies to we happen again. Of those, don't we? I mean wasn't, wasn't the Hurt Locker like a crazy Yeah, movie? Hurt Locker was. I even think Zero Dark Thirty was. Yeah. A lot of people would disagree with me. I think those people are wrong and read the movie poorly. Um, but y- there's a lot more, and they get a lot more money, the ones that I mean, they yeah. don't. Yeah. They're, they're literally paid to do it. Exactly, so. exactly. Um, as opposed to you look at the stuff that was made in the 70s, like Rambo, or I guess that's the 80s, but Platoon, uh, Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Right? Even G.I. Joe at that time abandoned their like military theme. They all became like firefighters and police yeah, officers and like other things. Yeah, they were, like, which I think is still true. Of they've they've come back around oh, to did they? Okay. military. I'm not I, post 9/11. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> firefighters were very popular post 9/11. Yeah. Um, in any event, uh, in terms of the closing thoughts, like I said, I I do like this movie, um, and I I think it's an, an easy recommend. Yeah, um, I, I like this movie a lot. Again, it's. I think the movie that I've seen most as an adult. Okay. Are you going to watch it again with your uh, 4th of July? Uh, they'll, uh, it won't be in L.A., unfortunately. Oh, um, okay. Bummer. But I will force people to watch it. <laughs> good, good choice. And Independence Day and The Patriot. Okay. So That's, oh. a, that's a hell of a lineup. <laughs> yeah. All right. super, super glad I finally saw it. it Two awesome. out of those three movies are directed by the same director. So That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and anyway, we will be uh, right back, find out what Crossman saw this weekend um, with Things We've Seen. Thanks. And we're back with Things We've Seen. Uh, this is our segment at the end where we discuss more recent movies we've likely seen in theaters or uh, sometimes at home, often more contemporary than the ones we discussed during the show. Crossman, you teased us earlier with a movie <laughs> that you saw um, yesterday, uh, yesterday when we were recording. Uh, what was it? So I uh, saw the biggest movie of the weekend. I saw The Incredibles 2. Or, oh, yeah, of course you did. Yeah, yeah nice. <laughs> um, I tried to see all Pixar films. Right. In I also saw The Incredibles 2. That's also my entry for today. Okay, you guys, okay. I, I did not see it, but Great. go ahead and, yeah, so, I'm see it. should also talk about the short. It was yeah. a short in front called Bow. Bow. Uh, which is kind of like a cute family film. Is that Bao with a W or Bao with uh, a B A O, like the yeah. soup dumpling. Oh, that yeah. was or not going to be my other guess. I don't know if Bao <laughs> automatically means soup dumpling, but. Dumpling, yeah. Dumpling, okay. okay. Um, I thought that was a pretty cute little animated short. It was cute. It was very yeah. strange. It was a <laughs> shocking choice that they made. I don't know if I want to really spoil it, but like the theater reacted very strongly to it, and I thought that was very amusing. Yeah, same. Yeah. What does that mean? Did they uh, like it? I think so. I mean, yeah. like they immediately like show you what actually happened and what it meant. 
Um, so you get it. But in the moment, you're not sure if they're going to keep going if or if it's going to end right there. And you're yeah, like, what the hell just happened? It, it starts with the mother making dumplings, and then something fantastic happens. Okay. And it's... It's cute, and it's, yeah. <laughs> Should it's, we just summarize it? Like, I don't know if there's no, like, a No, I think part of the charm okay, is, yeah, like, the, 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 good okay. reveal. But, okay. yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, that was cute. I thought it was interestingly animated. It looks almost like a stop animation, mm -hmm. but it's it's clearly not. There's, like, a, a an interesting, like, play between the reality but also the extreme fakeness of the characters. Mm -hmm. um, which it was very Chinese, which I appreciated. Yes. Like the, the characters, like they had very distinct, like kind of Chinese, like facial archetypes, I guess you could describe them as. Uh, and the, the food, I mean, animated food always looks amazing, but it looked fantastic. Yeah. And very Chinese. <laughs> um, and it's also, it's like also an immigrant story, right? It's about yeah. food and like how food is like, Translated through family, yeah, and how yeah. it like brings the family together. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so I thought that was really cute. There, <laughs> the other funny thing that was in front of the movie was this like apology commercial for The Incredibles oh, yeah. Two, where they have the the live cast like the voice right. actors. So it's like Samuel Jackson and Greg T. Nelson and uh, Holly Hunter. Same. Yeah, Holly uh, Hunter is. I forgot it was her. Yeah, yeah. more and, Holly Hunter in the world is a good thing. And a few other people, and they're like. We know it's been a long time since the first Incredibles, right. and we're sorry. It just like movies took a are long hard time. to make. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. And then, <laughs> and uh, and they're like, but and here it is, Incredibles two. It ends, and my theater like started clapping. Like I thought every, it was, yeah. I thought it was funny because they played that yeah. before everything, right? And so they're like, yeah. finally, we're about to show you the Incredibles two. And then first a short, short bow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but they, I think they were like, clap. They were like yeah. super excited for Incredibles 2. The movie itself is beautifully animated. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's this like 60s throwback <laughs> style where everything is like super modern. And they make references to like Googie architecture. Um, what is like, that? It's, uh, it's the like super modern like space, like the Jetsons is oh, a good okay. example of like Googie architecture where it's like space modern. Right. Space Which, modern by like 50 standards. Yeah, okay. and, and like early 60s standards. Yeah. yeah. So you, you have like a lot of like very like circular curves in the architecture or like uh, like giant triangles to like sure. form things. Yeah. And like I love things look that like they style. have antennas and like like giant roofs for no reason. Okay. Um, <laughs> there, there's a few like surviving examples of it in LA and they're mostly diners. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's. I, I thought that was amazing. It looks like a '60s poster almost that they've they've yeah. taken like so many. Things I mean, they from they that. did have that in the original yeah. Incredible, so they continued yeah. with that art style, and I really. I think it's it. even better. Here. Oh yeah, and yeah. I like they have a lot of like kind of like spy '60s technology uh -huh. too, with like video screens and cars, but like small sure. and like right. Yeah, like the '60s version of the future. Yeah, yeah, or like a remote, but it's like giant. Yeah, and, like, yeah. <laughs> so I I really like that about the film. Story I found to be like very blah. I was I like, oh, really? didn't feel like I connected with this film. Where That's like too bad. Uh, like Coco, like I was like very affected by Coco. It was great. And this movie, I'm like, I don't know if I like really care for these characters. They're, like I don't. The stakes of the movie seem to be that like it's okay for uh, Mrs. Incredible to kind of like go off on her own and. 
be like a working mom while Mr. Incredible like is a stay-at-home dad. Sure. And that seems to be like the stakes of the movie and that, I, I don't know, it didn't feel like very radical to me where it was like, yeah, yeah it's okay that women are in the workplace seems to be the message of the movie. I was yeah. like, it's a very I, first wave. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I think we need to like go beyond that. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot to play with here because this world it, like has like very two clear like two classes of humans some that are incredible and some that are just mm -hmm. like normal people and like how a society like deals with that is interesting and there's a lot of like territory to tread with but the some of the movies seems to be like it's okay if you're a one working parent family if a rich person lets you live in their house. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, I'm being a little flippant about it, but like, I, I, I didn't know what to take away from this film. Like, I don't know what it was like telling yeah. me to, to think about. Yeah, I think I mostly and, agree with you on the story. Cause like, yeah. well, first of all, the main plot line felt very predictable. Like, yeah. I felt like you could see what was about to happen coming from a mile away. And I'm not really. So far. And yeah. I'm not the kind of guy who, yeah. like, sees those coming so it's really saying something that and, I like immediately and Coco, in on it. Coco has a number of twists that like they were very hard to predict like I kind of uh, saw them coming <laughs> okay well then you would really see the twist okay, coming in this it. movie right like, uh, yeah but um, I mean with Coco it still worked like I saw it coming it was still effective yeah, yeah. yeah here, here it's like it feels like uh, it kind of undermines some of the tension of what's happening yeah. because you know exactly what's going on where the beats are yeah. um, or it's like hey it would be smart if we just like flip this part on its head it's like yeah but like there's a lot of movies that have done this before like what you're setting up yeah, so, yeah and like yeah. another problem I had with the writing it's was like the bad guy isn't who you expect they are wow. yeah, yeah it's that thing no shit but like, you kind of <laughs> yeah. know who it is Right, but another problem I had was it did feel like they were cramming too many different messages and themes into one movie. So much. Without really saying anything yeah. or doing anything with any of them. So one of them is the uh, working mom yep. thing. Then there was the thing about like uh, discriminating against superheroes because they're different. And one so of them is the about- The X-Men thing. Yeah, the X-Men yeah. thing. And then there's- um, Which X-Men does a lot better. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. then there's like the reliance on heroes to protect you and- The like, Watchmen thing. Yeah. yeah, and they say like, oh, you know, your reliance on them makes you weak or that kind of thing. And you have yeah. to like take responsibility for your own safety and that kind of aspect. <clears throat> there was also a little thing about the effect of technology and the media and how it can influence people and how yeah. dangerous that is. Um, but again, none Which of these Batman are... Forever covered yeah. in the same exact <laughs> way, actually. That's that funny. I forgot about that Batman Forever. forever. Okay. Um, um, but yeah, all of these the, are introduced... The other supply, is, uh, which is important to yeah. the film, is the teenage daughter... Oh yeah, where yeah, like yeah. her, someone like asks her out, and then they're like their memory gets erased, and there's like this tension around like, oh okay, do they or don't they like get back together? That's kind of uh, interesting. So, okay, no, so they, they like don't do anything. Okay, like so that. they also yeah. steal from Eternal Sunshine. Yes. Okay, got yeah. it. <laughs> Sorta, of, yeah. yeah. It's more like a Fifty First Dates. Kind okay, of thing. yeah, you're yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, and it's it, sort of a play on the <clears throat> protective father trope because he kind of leads to his yeah, memory which, getting which erased. Yeah, which felt creepy and bad. Now, mm. like it's like. Well, like, the, the good thing was yeah. that he didn't keep doing that. He realized what he did was wrong and tried to make things right with That's her. That's true, but yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There, I agree. There, there's too much going on, which is weird <clears> to say because like a Pixar film like is usually able to like handle very complex themes and layer them in interesting ways. Mm -hmm. The focus here though is all yeah. over. Here they and, just they kind of yeah. they kind of dip their toes in a bunch of things and that's it. Yeah, which was a it, little disappointing. It is a funny film. There are like mm -hmm. good like visual gags. 
and there's a, there's a number of them, and, the, and they are funny. Um, I think that's about the best I could say about this movie, that it's like beautifully animated, it's funny at times. Otherwise, it seems, it's kind of a mess of a movie. I, Which is I, funny, because it's rated very high. Yeah, I, I think uh, I liked it more than that, really? because outside yeah. of the main plot, I really liked a lot of the scenes, a lot of the character interactions. Um, like, I liked the scenes at home where uh, Mr. Incredible is trying to be a dad yeah. and trying to figure out how to connect with his children and that kind of thing. I thought those scenes were great. Um, I think he got some good character development in this movie. So once you step back from trying to make a greater message, I think there's a lot of great it, scenes there. It did feel like they kept like coming up to the edge of like doing a critique of uh, Anne Rand and Atlas Shrugged, <laughs> and then they just like back down from it. They keep like setting it up like they, this is going to be like a critique of libertarianism, no. and then they are like, Never mind. No, no, yeah, <laughs> no, they, they like don't do anything with it. Uh, well, um, like, I'm sorry, thank you for that. For instance, there's like this rich. Uh, the siblings in the film and they own this like media conglomerate and they like it, it's it seems to be like kind of a reference to like an Anne, Anne Rand <clears throat> character and then they like don't do it and then Mr. Incredible he's like super strong and you know, there's a lot like going like just on the edge of yeah. like and a critique then, of libertarianism because it's also about working and family and how we treat like the working life and society oh an know? yet another yeah. point that they bring yeah. up but don't address is they have a little argument about uh, what's right versus what's the law. Yes. And that was a great little discussion, but then they just kind of diffuse it and never go back to it, yeah. which was very disappointing because that's an important point to yeah, make. Yeah, and then they they just like change the law and they're like, oh, it's fine now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Fixed it. so that was an issue. Yeah, yeah age-old debate, done. <laughs> So, um, so I think what we're, you, you said that it was, the movie was rated really high, and I think... Like in the 90s, yeah. Yeah, I saw that too. Um, yeah. And I think what we're seeing here is really one of the problems with Rotten Tomatoes, where a lot of critics probably have the reaction that you have, Charles, where they're like, yeah, there's a bunch of problems, but I mostly liked it and I had a good time. Yeah. And like, that is a tepid reaction, right? Like, that's not a rave review, and yeah. it's not a review that is, you know, says 90% one of the best movies of the year, but when you just aggregate all of those, that's what you end well, up seeing. This is why you combine Rotten Tomatoes. Tomatoes with the Metacritic review, because yeah. the Metacritic average is like 76 or something like that. Out of that, the that feels much more in line with like the quality of this film. Like yeah. It's good, not great. Right. And I think yeah. I think people that's really fair. like these characters. I'm not totally sure why, because I feel like the first Incredibles was fairly forgettable, too. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I like whereas the first like, one. Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 like really... Like well, that's the yeah. best that Pixar's done for sure. Yeah, but yeah, Wally also like that one and Coco and yeah, yeah. yeah. So they have a lot of hits. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I know that Pixar is going through a lot of turmoil when this film got made because was it Brad Bird? Who that sounds right. One of the big wig guys at Pixar got Me Too. It's Lasseter, I think. Was it Lasseter? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think so. Because they showed Pred Bird in that like apology commercial. I oh, don't okay. think they would have so, yeah. done that if he so got not him. <laughs> but yeah. John Lasseter got pulled, got yanked from Pixar, and I think that was during the making of this film. And mm. that I'm sure that'll fuck it up. Yeah, yeah. that'll fuck things up. Yeah. You know? yeah I also so. want to comment on yeah. how great the action <laughs> scenes were. I think they were all phenomenal in this movie, and that makes for it being a more like a very fun experience. Um, like, there's one where Elastigirl has a motorcycle that can, like, split so she can use her body to, like, maneuver around. And, like, it's really cool how she uses yeah. her abilities in that cool. scene. 
Um, and just like, yeah, I just thought every action yeah. scene was spectacular. There's, There's one later on where the, like the different superheroes uh, fight with their powers and you see how they like counter each other's powers mm -hmm. uh, or like combine their powers together. I mean, you see that in a lot of superhero movies, but that's always cool to see and it's very well done. Right. There's yeah. one minor character that has the basically the portal gun ability. Yeah, she okay. was awesome. And it's it's so well done. Yeah. Okay, it's, that's cool. To track it is awesome. Yeah. yeah. I did think her character was a bit funny because she seemed like kind of the Tumblr um, personality okay. in the character. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's cool to see them on screen. Yeah. I just thought it was kind of funny how on the nose it was. <laughs> okay. So I think this is good. It's worth seeing in theaters. Yeah, I'll check it out. I, I, haven't, I don't I, think it's a great Pixar film, though. Yeah, there, so. I, there's a bunch of stuff that I need to see because yeah. uh, I yeah. had a slow weekend, but um, slow movie going weekend. But yeah, this is on my list. What did you see this weekend? Um, yeah, this is one of the rare weekends when I didn't make it to the theater, but I did watch a movie at home. Um, so I rarely rewatch films except for the show. <laughs> and I'll, so I want to try going back to some of my favorites from recent years and just seeing how well they, they hold up. So I watched Handmaiden because uh, it was streaming on Prime. Uh, and that was my favorite movie of 2016, and it holds up. Um, mm. So this is Chan Wook Park, who's the same guy. That, it's a Korean film, same director that did Old Boy, Boy yeah. um, which is his most famous movie. I think this is better than Old Boy. I think it is his, his best film. Uh, the premise is that it's something like a heist film a group. Uh, it takes place in Korea um, in the 30s, 30s or 40s, feels like. Um, a woman is supposed, there's like a band of thieves or con people essentially. Woman is going to go undercover to a rich man's house uh, disguised as a, a handmaiden for his, uh, this guy's niece that lives there. They're going to case the joint, figure out how to steal all the stuff from her and get rich doing that. And you know, drama ensues from there. And to say more about it, um, it kind of spoils a movie with many, many twists, many turns. And boy, what you really see, I think, and what makes this movie great is it, this is a now an experienced director really at the top of his craft. And the way that he handles audience sympathies and audience expectations is expert level. Like you have your allegiances in this movie shift at least two or three times in 180 degrees. Where the people that you thought mm -hmm. were the bad guys are now the good guys. The people you thought were the good guys are now neutral. It, it, that, and he can do that in an unexpected way, but also in a way that makes perfect sense every time, mm -hmm. is to me extraordinary and really a sign of a very strong director. Uh, the movie also functions as a metaphor for the relationship between uh, South Korea and Japan, um, which is obviously very fraught um, considering Japan <laughs> in, uh, has been at war with Korea several times. Um, and the instinct to adopt a hostile culture. What? On, on that, uh, I remember during the last World Cup, and we're in World Cup season right now. Yes, we they, are. They did a poll of like all the participating countries. Mm -hmm. They like went to the countries and like did did a poll in each country. It was like, which country do you want to most see lose the World Cup? Let's see where this is going. And <laughs> all the countries said the U.S. Except except <laughs> Japan, which said Korea, and Korea, which said Japan. Okay, well then this movie is Wait, probably... China didn't put Japan? I don't think they were Asked. in it last time. Oh. Yeah. Okay, well of course the U.S. is going to lose. We're terrible at soccer. No, but they want to see lose the most. Okay, well I yeah. mean, 
Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to get what they want there. Well, all the other countries love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this movie would, is probably bearing out some actual historical yeah. or some social facts then because um, it's about the hostility between that relationship. And the, the main antagonist in the film is a Korean man who very strongly adopts Japanese culture. And it's about how that, it, it examines the psychology of that and what motivates that and the impact that that has on the, the people around him and the people that he works with and for. And, um, and it, the, his family. So I, I realize I'm being kind of vague about what this movie is actually about, um, but I cannot recommend it strongly enough. It is on Amazon Prime at this point, so you have no excuse. <laughs> Go watch it. Um, it is uh, it thrilling, exciting, unexpected, um, and still my favorite movie from, from 2016. So go do it, both of you. Um, you have the pick next. Crossman, what are, what are we going to watch? Yeah, so I want to watch it. This is going to come out on the 4th of July okay. week, so I want to watch a very American film. Um, I'd like to do uh, Friday Night Lights. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm into it. That's a really good movie. I, I like this movie a lot. Um, and there's a deficiency of like good football movies in the world, and I think that this might be might be the best one. There are a lot of football movies. Yeah, okay, a deficiency of good football movies <laughs> in the world. <laughs> and this is, uh, this is definitely one of the good ones. Yeah. Um, so that is an unexpected pick, but I'm, I'm into it. Um, so thanks for listening, everybody. If you like the show, uh, please share it. Uh, we don't advertise. We don't tell anybody else about it. We keep it a, a very tightly held secret. <laughs> so it's up to you to tell people. We're an exclusive club. <laughs> it's a very exclusive mm -hmm. club. Um, but thank you for listening, and join us next week for Friday Night Lights. <laughs>